At Home in the Law was written in a context in which um, I, there's a little bit of a personal story behind it. I had been a prosecutor at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office in New York City. And in that job, I was a prosecutor. I did um, a fair amount of domestic violence cases. And I went into the job thinking that there might be some moral issues around prosecution and I was ready for them. But the domestic violence was an area where I wouldn't have that much moral ambivalence, if any, because it was pretty clear that if someone beat their family member, most usually women, wives, um, that that was deserving of punishment and I wouldn't have any qualms about putting someone in jail or in prison for doing that. Um, and what I found was that when I saw these cases up close and actually interviewed, interrogated defendants and also interviewed victims, um, a lot of different surprises came to the fore. I had not expected a situation in which most of the victims that I thought I was trying to help really saw me as somebody who was ruining their lives, that they did not want their batterers or their husbands um, prosecuted. So that was, that was something that was really, you know, it was really very powerful for me. That was something to, to encounter. Um, the other thing that was surprising was that a lot of the cases that were being prosecuted as domestic violence did not actually match up with the portrayals of domestic violence that I had seen before that and that I think most, much of the general public um, is exposed to. In, in general, I was in you know, misdemeanor court as a beginning um, assistant district attorney and domestic violence, you know, more than 90% of it is misdemeanor. It is not felony. So in misdemeanor uh, domestic violence, um, you don't have serious physical injury. You don't have um, sometimes physical contact. A lot of the domestic violence cases that I was seeing in routinely in misdemeanor court, which is, again, I say the vast majority of domestic violence prosecutions that go on in this country, um, a lot of them were not cases in which um, people were uh, physically hurt even. Often things like theft between spouses were being prosecuted as domestic violence and um, or you know yelling um, behavior that was considered harassment um, because they were you know emotionally uh, troubling and or people maybe throwing things on the ground um, or taking somebody's cell phone um, and those kinds of things um, and okay so then I, I started say, thinking why are these things domestic violence and I understood that there were family members involved in crime and that in, in the office that I was prosecuting every crime that happened between family members was considered domestic violence and the interesting thing is that every single domestic violence crime had to be treated in a very special way that it couldn't just be prosecuted like you would prosecute a stabbing um, on the street by one person against another acquaintance or uh, uh, even a friend or, or a stranger, that they had to be treated in a special way. One of the things that I saw was that um, automatically the office where I prosecuted, um, the, the assistant district attorney was required by the office to ask for a protection order that um, that would prohibit the accused person from contacting the uh, victim. And 
if it was a spouse, they couldn't contact their spouse. If it was, um, if they had children, they couldn't see their children. It, they couldn't even see or use email or phone or any kind of contact um, to even arrange for uh, money to, for child support. Um, and so there's a way in which it was de facto become, becoming a family law practice, um, even though it was a criminal practice, that the criminal system was kind of taking over the function of arranging for family relationships. And, and I was very, very fascinated by this interaction between family and crime. And that is why I decided to write At Home in the Law, which is essentially about home, the concept of home, and how the legal system understands what home is. Um, and the main theoretical um, crux of the argument is contextualized in um, a system in which we have an understanding of private and public, that the home is this quintessential private space and public, I mean criminal law is the quintessential uh, public law um, because it involves a prosecution by the state against an individual. Um, and it's not a case between two individuals. And so what I saw was that in the reform of domestic violence law, starting from the 1970s until now, uh, feminist reformers had really, really worked hard and fought to undermine this distinction between private and public spheres. And the reason was that in the old days, the fact that the home was private was used as a justification for not doing anything about crimes that happened in the home, for example, domestic violence. So if a husband beat his wife, um, the argument was, well, that's a private matter. It's not something that the criminal law is going to get involved in. So that was the old system. Starting from the 1970s, uh, when the feminist movement um, really took off, especially with legal reform, they attacked domestic violence prosecution. And the, they attacked it in that, in that they said, you know, the fact that you're thinking of this as a private matter is the problem. It's not a private matter. It's just as public as any other assault between two people. And so this, and this idea was, was good so far as it went. The idea that you know, even if it happened in the home, it's a crime and therefore it should be prosecuted. But then what you saw happening was that in the area of domestic violence, special rules got put in place so that um, instead of saying we have to prosecute domestic violence like any other crime, um, a very popular reform that took hold in the majority of the states was that it was a mandatory reform movement so that it's mandatory, that it was mandatory for prosecutors to pursue charges, that it was mandatory for, um, uh, for police officers to arrest defendants for domestic violence so that they, didn't, they no longer had the discretion that they had in other areas of crime. And one of the things that happened well, and the reason this, this happened, because often victims would say, I don't want my, my batterer arrested. And that was thought to be because they were scared, that they, they didn't want to have their batterer be arrested and then come back and then maybe harm them even more. But the, one of the things that fascinated me was the way that by saying, we are going to require you to stay apart 
from your spouse because there's a criminal case in effect, we were effecting what I call in the book de facto divorce that was state-imposed. So state-imposed de facto divorce through the criminal law. And that was very interesting because it really was, in a way, a substitution of the public judgment for the private desire to stay with one's spouse. And this became more plausible for the criminal system because, precisely because the relation between public and private had been so heavily criticized that the idea that home was private and, um, the pub and criminal law was public, that had been so heavily criticized. So now that idea of the private domain in which you know, people had the right to make decisions autonomously about their private living arrangements or about their marriage, that was no longer there. Um, and it was really interesting to me the way that the women involved in these cases so often thought of the criminal system as being the bane of their existence, that they were that the criminal system was arresting their spouses and um, mandating that they not talk to them, and that that was um, ruining their lives. And um, I think it was a very, very difficult, difficult situation for everyone. I think it's a morally difficult situation for the prosecutor, and I think that it is it is one way in which feminist reforms that clearly are trying to help women and to protect them from violence and to punish wrongdoers um, did end up being experienced by the women involved in lots of cases as having taken away their autonomy. Um, that they felt that they should be the ones to decide about what to do about these cases, especially these misdemeanor cases where the domestic violence was not actually like caused serious injury. Um, and they felt that they should have the right to decide, but that the prosecutors now in the domestic violence regime that we have today um, were able to say, it's not your decision. It's the decision of the state, um, even though it is in your private life. And so that kind of um, overturning of a certain idea of the private and public is what the book At Home and the Law is about.